went to church when we were gone. One of the Sundays we were traveling. But the other Sunday we went to church when we were gone. Um, all I want to say is I missed you guys. And I missed uh, uh, the singing that we had this morning. It was great to hear your voices. And so it's good to be back. But wow, you have eaten well while I have been gone. Uh-oh, what do I mean by that? And I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. You have been fed well since I've been gone. Um, on your mark, get set, go. He must increase. I must decrease. Know Him more intimately. Live Him more passionately. Share Him more willingly. Wow, that'll preach. Thank you. He did. That was uh, Sean. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It was Sean. If you missed it, it's not too late. You can listen to it online. And I encourage you to do that. Two weeks ago, he shared that, mes- that message. That's how I heard it. I listened online. You can't be here on a Sunday? Don't miss everything. You can also go back and listen to it. And Man, that one's worth listening to. And then last week, Scott Millard talked to us about it being all about love. No wonder the world doesn't know what love is if we misunderstand it. And if we misunderstand it, then we misrepresent it. And he helped us redefine love, taking the I out of it. Great thing. There's a problem when I becomes the most important word in I love you. Wow. Wish I'd thought of that. That's... That's huge. That's really important. And so then he defined it for us as love serving. Love, it gives. It's not selfish. It's humble and patient and kind. It's action-oriented. It's permanent and long-term. It's a universal command given to all of us. So we give ourselves a test. Are we building relationships, serving believers, non-believers, even our enemies, by... And what is the rest of it? Fill in the blank. Forging relationships, retraining ourselves to assume our community responsibility as only the church of Jesus Christ can do. Because Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another. Wow. Great spiritual feeding. Again, if you missed it, go back and listen to it. And a great continuing of of what God's doing in preparing us for all that He's doing now and He's going to do. In fact, I have a great idea. Things went so well when I was gone, I ought to be gone more. So just kind of putting that out there, going to take some more vacation time. Um, I think I should go away more often. In all seriousness, what this is indicative of, is that God is at work. He's at work in each of us and all of us. And I hope you heard similar themes. You certainly heard these men address uh, what is on our hearts as we lead you into what God is taking us into in this next year. And it isn't just that we've, you know, kind of designed something and we know what to say. This is the heartbeat of what God is doing in each of us, and we want to see happen through all of us as we move into our next emphasis of serving together. He's working the same things in and through us, and for the best interest of us, and most importantly, for His glory. 
Our Lord's doing a great thing here to take us beyond ourselves to be all that He wants us to be in this community and in this world. Now, if that's true, and I really believe it is, there's a very important thing we need to make sure we are, and that is in step with the one who is accomplishing these things, specifically in the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to miss anything that He has for us that He wants to do. We want to make sure that we don't try and do it ourselves, because that's a tendency too. Nor do we want to fall behind anything that He is moving ahead with. So we need to remind ourselves to understand and to learn more about how He is working in and through us. Much of this has to do with the role of the Holy Spirit. His ministry, His presence, His work. And so, as I've said a couple of times before I left, in John chapter 14 through 16, the Lord prepares His disciples for this. He explains kind of the what's next in God's gospel. Uh, They don't get it all. They didn't get it all even about what He was going to do. But He said, don't worry about it. Because when I'm gone, then the Holy Spirit's going to come. But He, of course, revealed it so that they could write it down when they remembered And he reveals so much here and in other portions of Scripture that talk about the Holy Spirit's coming and His care and His power and His indwelling and His work and His ways and His gifting and His guiding and keeping and guaranteeing. Yet, as much as those things are all true, we, by and large, in our conservative evangelical movement, have missed a lot of this. We've either ignored it or neglected it And I want us, as I've said, in these weeks this summer, to try and get it right. And this is my attempt, by by going to the garden, to going to a metaphor of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as I said, there are three major things that happen there. There's sleeping, because these disciples are clueless, and we fit in that category more than any of the others. Then there's the struggling of Jesus in all of his humanity, with all that was before him. And then, an amazing change seemingly from one moment to the next, of a man in absolute anguish to complete control. He's yielded, he's meek, not in weak, not weak, meek. He's, he's power under control. He, he's able to face the most horrid thing anybody can imagine, not only physically, but then, of course, spiritually, being separated from his father. And he does it so resigned, so willing, so, so free from bitterness and anger and resentment towards those that would inflict, of course, all of that. So in this passage, I believe we see the sleeping, the struggling, and this yielding. And from this, we can learn a lot about this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because what is it that caused that change from one moment to the next? A complete yielding of Him in all of His humanity and deity to the will of His Father, and then being filled, empowered, strengthened, used as an instrument of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that's available to all of us. That kind of yielding so that He can do as He pleases. So, uh, if we grapple with these three things, I think we're going to get... 
at least a memorable way of understanding what the Holy Spirit uh, does and who He is. So, as you can see in your insert there, I'd like to spend uh, this week and next week talking about the problem with sleeping. What would be wrong if we stay clueless like these disciples and miss it all? They got it later, so we get a chance to get it later. I want us to understand that. What would be wrong with sleeping? How come we really have to know this? That's what I want to talk about these next two weeks. And then we're going to end up talking about the power that comes then in the struggle. Okay, so this is available to me. What do I need to do? And and we'll talk about that. And then the promise in yielding, what this Holy Spirit then promises and gives us um, uh, that we don't want to miss out on. So I'd like to begin this way with another illustration. I miss my dad. He passed away more than 13 years ago. I miss him. I miss him because he was a very gracious leader. Uh, he, he was in ministry like I was, so I looked up to him. I learned a lot from him. Um, there are a lot of times. I, I wish I could just get on the phone and, and say, well, what would you do about this? You know, this Bethlehem church is really a pain in the neck. I, I don't know what to do about this. No, no, no. Not there. Can't do that. Gracious leader. Uh, very supportive of all of his children. I wasn't favored just because I happened to be in ministry, nor my sister. She is too. We have two other siblings. Just as excited about anything that they did. He was very, very supportive. And that helped all of us. Um, I just miss being with him. Uh, he taught me to golf. Please don't hold that against him, all you guys that were with me yesterday. Um, but, you know, I just miss going doing stuff like that. Why do I mention this? <laughs> so sad. So human. Why would I mention that? Because I think we do the same thing with Jesus Christ. We kind of miss him. You know, we came to know him. We never walked with him. But, you know, we've read the Bible. We've learned things about him. And, and it, it's kind of like he took off and he's gone somewhere else. And, and we're just kind of here by ourselves. Is that true? We think of, we've lost our leader. We, we've lost the support of, of him being around. We, we think we can't be with him anymore until he comes back. With God, that is so needless. It isn't true. How do you do it without the person or the persons that you need in your life? You see, the first problem with sleeping is you miss the person. You miss the person. You're clueless. He's there, but you're cashed out somewhere trying to recuperate from your food coma. That's what we had these disciples doing, right? Turn to John chapter 14, and I'd like to read a few verses from there. John chapter 14, and I begin in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make Our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you. But when the, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Then jump over to chapter 16. 
And I'd like to read verses 6 and 7. Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let me pray for a minute as we enter into reflecting on these verses. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this morning not to miss the person, the Holy Spirit that you sent to do so much in and through us, but not just do, like he were some kind of force or energy or something, but be indwelling in us, comforting us, sharing himself with us. Help us to see and not miss the person this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, obviously, I want you to see the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not a power or a force or an energy. He's not an enigma. He's not distant. He's not intangible. He is the most self-effacing of the three persons of the, whole, of the uh, Trinity. He will often, always, defer any kind of glory and attention from Himself to the Son and the Son to the Father. For this reason, it's easy for us to misunderstand Him. Because we don't speak to Him. We don't see it directed in Scripture to speak really directly to Him. He turns it all away. However, I want us to see that we can seek His will, seek His mind, and look for what would please Him. He is a real person. He's present, He's very close, and as we see in these verses, He is inextricably linking us with Jesus Christ and the Father. Because the Father is in heaven, as is the Son, and the Spirit is here. Yet, Jesus says, we will come and dwell with you, inextricably linking us together. So let me show you in three simple ways this morning how we should not miss the Holy Spirit, the person. First of all, don't miss the person because he's distinct and he's active. What are you going to do without him? You need what he does. As I read in John 14, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. We will come to him and make our home with him. There's a plurality here. This is God living with us, dwelling in us, coming to stay near us. And that's accomplished through the person of the Holy Spirit. Does scripture say this in other places? It does. In Psalm 139, David writes, where shall I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up to the heights, you're there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. He is present. Acts chapter 5, we see that he truly is God. This is an example of two individuals who lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter says that. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And later he says, you lied to God. And it didn't end well for them. Uh... So we can see that it's very clear in Scripture that He is God. He's also very distinct from the Father because John chapter 15 tells us that He proceeds from the Father. We also know that Jesus said, unless I go, we'll get back to that, He can't come. There is something 
about their presence that is different and distinct. In Romans chapter 8, we're instructed that He is the one who intercedes for us in our weakness. And when we don't know what to say, He's the one that speaks up for us. There is somebody. He's an advocate. And He's speaking for us. It's a person. In 1 Corinthians 3, we're told that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. Therefore, He is here. He's a person. And then Scripture goes on to tell us that He teaches and He guides and He reminds and He comforts and directs and confirms and intercedes and protects and empowers and gifts. And we're going to get to some of those. Don't miss the person. He is distinct and He is active. You need what He does and this is help. One of the first times I had to explain this to somebody um, was with a young adult. Uh, we had started this ministry among young adults in Brooklyn and, and they started coming out of the woodwork and this guy showed up that was really searching spiritually and, and uh, he started coming to the studies. And we were up at a ski uh, retreat in um, New Hampshire and uh, I was speaking. We'd ski all day and then we'd have these meetings and everything. Been there a couple of days and then he wanted uh, to talk with me and we sat down. He had lots of questions and he says to me, now... And, you know, don't, don't get your feelings hurt or whatever and all that. But, uh, you know, when you start, you know, I don't know, you, you like bumble along and you're stuttering or whatever, you know. And, and then all of a sudden it's like you're not talking anymore. It's like something happens. And, and that's the stuff that's kind of really bothering me, you know. I mean, it's like that, that, that's causing me to really think. What is that? So I said, well... You're not going to believe this, okay? <laughs> so I'm just going to warn you right up front, you know. But um, you asked, so I'm telling you. you. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to believe that. And he didn't. <laughs> uh, not right away. It took a little time. Um, but have you had that experience? You know, you, you needed something in particular, and you knew you were trying to do your best to do just what God wanted you to do. And then, I don't know what it was, you, you, you had the strength, you had the wisdom to answer a question, you had the words to speak in a certain situation. You just knew that when you were done, it wasn't you. Right? You see, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the person, active, indwelling power in person of God in you that is helping you accomplish what He wants you to do. I had that experience many times as a missionary in a foreign language, speaking Italian. I did pretty well, but they could tell I wasn't perfect. But there were times when you were just getting down to that, that critical conversation and you got to get it right and they really want to know and they're asking just the right questions. And I'm going, oh boy, you better show up now. And, and then I would know a fluidity, a, a fluency, a, a, a freedom, a power, uh, a grasp of Italian that I knew wasn't just me. You see, that, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that it's personal. It's not just a power. You see, in the, the books that we you know, read and the movies that we watch, there's a general... Um, tendency to create these forces of good and evil and uh, mostly they're they're uh, they're they're oppositional and equal and we hope for the 
good one to win. And, and that's a wrong representation of the battle that we're in too because the victory is one. There is one that is much greater than another. Um, but we impersonalize them. As if, and then we turn it into all kinds of other things, um, that we can harness the energy. We can channel the force. Um, we, we can master uh, the potential and do this. And, and I'm afraid that that's what we can do with the Holy Spirit if we think that He's just some kind of energy. It's not that. He's a person. He has a will. He has something He wants to accomplish. And we are participating with Him. And when we do, we know the presence and the power, the filling and the using of that person to accomplish what He desires, not us energized to do what we want to do. You see? And that's an important distinction. Don't miss the person. You need what he does. And this is about his help. Secondly, don't miss the person because he's relational and that makes him meaningful. You need who he is. How would you live without him and who he is? When we say he's a person, what do we mean by that? We mean that he has intellect, he has a will, he has emotions. And let me just briefly show you that. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, we can read of his mind, his intellect. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I read in verse 10, beginning in the second part of the verse, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. He has an intellect. He has a a mind. This is why Jesus said, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've sent to you. He knows the mind of God. He has intellect. He has will. If we were to move forward in 1 Corinthians, we'd get to chapter 12 where it talks about his gifting and we're going to get to that. And it says there that he gives, he gives to each one as he determines. He can choose. It is his will that we receive these gifts by his choice. And then we know that he has emotions because in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not to hurt him, not to grieve him, not to disappoint him. And of course he can be because he's a person. He's real and he has emotions. We must personalize the Holy Spirit in our own thinking. Uh, ESPN participates with Make-A-Wish Foundation to help children have a wish Uh, when uh, these children who have uh, life-shortening diseases um, are are, uh, inevitably going to pass away in short order. And so ESPN participates with them in making these wishes come true. Isn't that interesting? And how do they communicate that with you? Oh, they pop up this little statistic that says X percentage of children born in America uh, are born with life-ending diseases. So uh, send a check to this place. They don't do that. Instead, in the middle of my breakfast yesterday morning, uh, when I'm wanting to patch up on all the sports that I missed over uh, the weekend and my uh, vacation or whatever, um, 
all of a sudden comes this story of this little girl in uh, upstate New York who contracted leukemia and she's only five years old and she's fighting this battle and of course they show the sad stories of chemotherapy that she's going through and everything and she finds courage in uh, Bethany Hamilton who is the uh, subject of the movie Soul Surfer who was a uh, championship surfer in uh, Hawaii uh, until she was uh, bitten by a shark and lost her arm came back from that incident to still continue to be a championship surfer. She fought some battles and she won. And so this little girl finds a hero in Bethany Hamilton. And when they come to her and say, what would you really like? She says, I'd love to surf with Bethany Hamilton. Well, of course. So off goes the family. And she goes to a special screening of the movie and she gets to surf and before it's all over, there they are on surfboards together, surfing together with Bethany Hamilton. You think they raised any money? I'm thinking they raised some money. Why? Because they had made it personal. They'd made it real. It had all of a sudden not been some kind of thing. It was, it had flesh. It had a name. It had a, an address. Rendering anything personal makes it more real. And I want you to understand that about the Holy Spirit. It isn't an energy or a force. It's a person. And that makes Him meaningful. And so you should develop a relationship with Him. We neglect the Holy Spirit because we don't realize He's a person. We don't talk to Him. We don't go to Him. We don't walk with Him. He's the presence of God in your life. He dwells within you. So I want you to search His mind. I want you to seek out His will. I want you to care about what He wants. You see? Because if He has an intellect and He has a will and He has emotions, then you should respond accordingly. What is His mind? What does He want? What is His will? What does He want me to do? What if I did this, would I hurt His feelings? You could. That's why He tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. This makes our Christian walk more meaningful. And we should develop that. One more subtlety in this personhood of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to miss the person. He is present and indwelling. How are you going to know God without Him? You need where He is. Listen to this. Summed up by Wayne Grudem. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Did you realize that? Did you realize that the Father conceived of the entire plan, the Son accomplished the plan, the Spirit is guaranteeing and making sure that that plan continues until Christ returns and it's fulfilled. He is now the active presence of God Almighty in this world. They are inextricably unified, so it's not as if He's doing the work and they're up doing nothing. But there is a reality of His distinct presence with us, and it is God's presence. The Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity whom the Scripture most often represents as being present to do God's work in the world. After Jesus ascended into heaven and continuing through the entire church age, the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity among us. He is the one who is most prominently present 
Now, I read this so that you don't just think it's just me that's saying this. We're going to expand on this more next week as we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I say it now because it's a part of His personhood. As Jesus said, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And He will indwell you, fill you, use you. And that's different than the presence of Jesus Christ when He was here. His presence was limited. Then in John chapter 14, I don't know if you noticed that verse, verse 25, My peace I leave with you, I my peace I give you. We often hear that verse um, quoted right out of the context. And we think it's peace like, you know, world peace. or I don't know, you need to, to, to feel calm and so on. It's directly tied to his discussion of the coming of the Holy Spirit. I think part of that peace is this present indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. My peace I give to you. There's a plan that God has designed. The Father's conceived of it. The Son has accomplished it. The Spirit then gives us knowledge of it. We only know of it. We, in this point in time in history, we only know of it because the Bible revealed it to us and that Bible was revealed to those authors through the moving of the Holy Spirit. God's knowledge comes to us through the Holy Spirit as He's communicated it through the Bible. He convinces and He convicts and converts us into this relationship. That's John chapter 16. And then in His presence, He works all that He wants to to complete and guarantee that God does what He wants in this time before Christ returns. And we participate in this plan by listening and learning and following the ministry of the Holy Spirit today, coming to know and trust and obey all that He knows that He wants us to then know. Now, let me close as I began with the first problem of our sleeping. Remember, I miss my dad. And we think about Jesus that way. We think we've lost our leader and and he's not there with us like we wish he was, like with the disciples. And we've got to get cheated and we can't wait till he comes back. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 I've got a better plan. Remember God's answers to prayer? No, and better? I got a better one. Nothing could be farther from the truth that God is not present. Don't miss the person. He's the present and indwelling presence of God. You need where He is. And that's hope. That's great hope. God is present in you if you have given your life to Him. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up and prepare themselves for leading us in this last song. But as they come, I want to ask you this question. What are you going to do with this information? Well, i got something I want you to do with it. I want you to do these three things that are listed up there. I want you to count on the help. He is here and He's at work. He's not just an energy of force that you're supposed to channel. He is doing what God wants done, we need to be participating with Him. And if you don't have the help you need, it may be because you're not asking for the help that He wants to give. If He wants to teach and guide and remind and comfort and direct and confirm and intercede and protect and empower and gift you, and you don't feel like you've got those, I think the problem is there, not here, not inside you. It's you not asking for what He wants to do in and through you. So count on the help. That's what He does. 
And that's where I do believe we can cry out to Him and say, Lord, by Your Spirit, I need Your grace for this. I need Your wisdom for that. I need need You to guide me in this. I, I need to know Your will. And He'll answer. He wants it more than you do. I want you to cherish the person. Personalize the relationship. Search his mind. Seek his will. Care about what he wants. Think about how you might grieve him if you did something you're not supposed to do. Personalize it. I mean, when you confess of the things that you've done, have you ever thought about that? You're saying sorry to a person you just hurt? It's true. And then draw on the presence. He is the one who is most prominently present now. And He's here so that we would draw on that. So we would make His presence real in our lives. Don't miss the person. Let's pray. Teach us, Lord. Teach us what it is to to cherish your presence as your Holy Spirit dwells in our bodies. Teach us what it is to count on that help and to call out to you. To see you guide and act and move and use us. Help us to long for what you want and to draw on that presence to give us all that you long to give us as we get to know you as a person more and more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.